Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So glad, so glad to have our guest with us. Now, Brother Palm, I believe this is your eldest son. Is that right? Someone said that. Second, second, the eldest son that he has with him tonight. We're so glad to have him. Amen. Make him welcome. Amen. In this place. So thankful. So thankful. And different ones, everybody that is here, we are honored. Still glad to have uh, Judy and Anthony Wilson. Amen. Our family with us. Amen. Here tonight. Grateful for them being here. Amen. And, and making the trip and, and uh, loving us and our children. Amen. That they do so wonderfully. Any, every chance and opportunity that they, that they can, they do. And uh, I appreciate that wholeheartedly. I hope that someday whenever I'm their age, I can do the same for my children. Uh, because they've set the bar high. If I don't, I'm going to be say, well, me, me, and Papa A, they did it. And so, for the future, amen. Yeah. If you'll remember, the tabrets and all, everything of the music was inside Satan. So if he ever gets anywhere, it's always back in the sound system. Amen. It was all part of it. So that's just the way it happens. Going to be turning to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 53. And I want to read just a few verses of scripture. Isaiah 53. I'm going to start with like verse number 6 and read through verse number 8. Verse number six and read through verse number verse number eight here this evening. The Bible states these words. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep gone astray. You have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is speaking of the Christ that would come. What many call the suffering servant. The Bible says he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who everyone say who and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken so it's describing our Lord it's describing this Savior of ours, the other verses you can read, and they are familiar perhaps to many, of how he was 
wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our, our iniquities and chastisement of our peace upon him. And speaking of this individual, and he did so much, so much for the people, for the nation of Israel, for humanity by and large over all. But the question that is left pondering is this, that when he is cut off from the land, when through the estimation of all humanity, he is no more because in that three-day interim, there's a lot of doubts going on. Whether or not there is going to be that third day rising. Through all of that, as they are pondering and considering in that three-day interim of time, they got to contend with the question that Isaiah posed some 600, 700 years before it was ever needed, and that is who's going to declare Who's going to declare his generation? I want to turn to Psalms. Psalms chapter number 145. And verse, I'll just start with verse 1 because it's so good. And read a few verses. David says, I will extol thee, my God, O King. And I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Notice verse number four. One generation shall praise thy works to another. In third generation, and shall declare thy mighty acts. David is answering Isaiah's question before it's ever posed. He says, Who shall declare his generation? David says, A generation shall praise. His works to another, to another generation. Though he is seemingly cut off from the earth, if I might say it like this, the praisers will declare his generation. Now, it's going to take me a little bit to just kind of move into this. But I would like, with the help of the Holy Ghost, to minister this evening. There is no idle praise. And that's I-D-L-E. There is no I-D-L-E, idle, stagnant. There is no motionless. There is no just treading ground type of praise. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, I come before you. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, you would help us, God, in the next few moments, Lord Jesus, of this service, God, that, Lord, something might be able to be relayed, Lord, and conveyed that would be helpful, Lord Jesus, to this body of believers tonight. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, we need you, God, in this place. And I'm asking, O oh God, if you've ever helped me, Lord God, help me here this evening. I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, help us, Lord Jesus, to rally around, Lord Jesus, your cause and your purpose. 
God, and we'll thank you and praise you for it in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. And the church say amen and amen. You may be seated here this evening. Isaiah is entertaining a concept. He is entertaining an idea before it was ever even needed, before it was ever necessary. I think with great purpose, Isaiah brings this to the minds of the people because he needed them to think about this before they would need it. He needed them to consider this before their times necessitated it. He wanted them to mull this over in their minds. He wanted them to give this some deep consideration that there would be a Savior as was oft times spoken of in the Old Testament. That there would be a God that would not just be some being that would rule and reign from the heavens, but he would come down and he would walk among men and that he would aid them and that he would help them and that he would be the savior of the world. He would take upon him their pain and he would take upon himself their agony and their despair. That long sought after answer that they were longing for, he would become that answer that they were in need of. He would be that one that was spoken of at old, that the one that comes and that heals your blinded eyes and makes your lame to walk, that is your God. And so they would recognize very quickly that through Jesus Christ that their God was making a showcase of who he was. But he also wanted them to consider that while you would relish the moments of his time among you and that you would be benefited by him walking shoulder to shoulder with you and you would experience his power and might be even a recipient of the healing that would flow from his hands and the power of his word would bring attention to certain things in your life. He wanted them to also wrestle with the concept and the idea who would declare his generation if he were taken from you. Who would declare his generation if he was cut off from the land of the living and he was no more? Because it's one thing to look forward to a day of when that suffering servant would come and all these things of grandeur would happen and take place and think of the glorious day when that would arrive. But Isaiah wants them to consider what would you do if that day then had a end to it if if there was an interim of time that he was per se not around where you could touch him and feel him and grab a hold of him who would declare his generation can someone say amen I believe David as I've already said here this evening answers that for you and I David himself being a man that has orientated his life around praise and around worship. He knows how to extol, if you will, the name of the Lord. 
He knows how to give recognition, amen, to whom recognition belongs. He even said that every day he would bless the Lord. That at every opportunity he would praise the name of the Lord. Because David understood something. That in this thing called life, in order for this thing to be carried on from one generation to another generation. So that there is no gap, if you will, in succession. So that there would be no breakdown in the passing on of the baton. David believed with all of his heart that in order for that not to take place or happen, one generation would have to praise the works of their God to the next generation and declare his mighty acts. David Already before Isaiah ever put pen to parchment, understood if there's going to be any declaring of his generation, it's going to have to be declared by the praisers. The only way for us to have no gap, no downtime, nothing that's in the law, he says we're going to have to have a group of people that learns how, knows how, educates their children how to lift up their voice and extol and praise and glorify the name of the Lord every everybody say every every day someone say there's no idol praise there's no idol praise we see it over and over again the accompaniment of praise as it were with anything it seems to give birth to something Whenever praise comes into the equation or into the picture, it changes the dynamics of the atmosphere. It changes the dynamics many times of the situation. Whenever praise is joined with whatever it is, there is an offspring, there is a birthing, there is something that takes place. We read even in New Testament Scripture stories that you all know, amen, and adore. Of, of Acts chapter number 16, we read that Paul and Silas that are in that midnight jail amen jail at midnight and as they are there they begin to sing and they begin to pray and no doubt there are praises that are issued forth and whenever all of this enters the picture and one is joined with the other you know the story of what begins to happen there is a great earthquake the Bible says and the doors on the jail house open amen even something that was just coming over their lips at a midnight hour amen calls some type of reaction in the most dismal amen time of Paul and Silas's life because there isn't any idle praise per se the Bible says in the Old Testament that Jehoshaphat he is going to go out to battle and his his odds have not been very good the other few days they have suffered defeat many people has lost lives and the Bible says he went to praying and fasting to the Lord and the prescription of the Lord was this he says Jehoshaphat he says I want you to send out into the battlefield not your greatest spearsmen not your greatest swordsmen he says but I want you to send out to the battle your singers and your praisers and whenever the singers and the praisers went out to battle they didn't have their sword they didn't have their shield but whenever they went out to battle the Bible says and began to sing and began to praise that God sent ambushments against the adversary because there is no idle praise whenever you accompany it and join it with whatever it is there's some type of birthing there's some type of offspring 
We read in the Old Testament scripture. The Bible in Genesis 38 is somewhat peculiar. We're going along and we have the story of Joseph. And then out of nowhere, there's Genesis 38. Genesis 38 is the story of Judah. It's the story of Judah having three sons that he gave to a particular wife. It's the story of Judah, the Bible says, that has left evidently his brethren that have left the house of Israel. You remember it's Judah that raised his voice whenever they were thinking about taking the life of Joseph. It is Judah that raised his voice and say, hey, let's not do that. That won't profit us anything. Let us rather sell him, amen, and then we'll get some type remuneration from all of this. And it's shortly after that that Judah begins to pull himself away from his brethren. He pulls himself away from his family. The Bible says he went into Canaan. He married, the Bible says, a Canaanite woman. He marries a Canaanite woman. He has three children, so we have half Jew, half Canaanite children that are being born. He takes a woman who is more than likely another Canaanite because this is where Judah is right now in the land of Canaan. He takes a woman by the name of Tamar and he gives Er, E-R, his firstborn unto Tamar. Right? And the Bible says that Er did wickedly in the sight of God. Did wick? We don't know exactly what he did. All we know is that he did wickedly. And the Bible says someone did wicked. They did wicked. I'm telling you right now. And so he did wickedly in the sight of God. And the Bible says as a result of that, God slayed him and he died. He's dead, man. Well, the Old Testament, the Old Testament law was this. Whether it was the Jews or whether it was the pagans. And that was the law of a Leverite marriage. Meaning this. That if a, if a wife had a husband and he died before being able to give her offspring, then it was the responsibility of the next son in line to take her as his wife, so to speak, and bear a son not to his own name, but unto his deceased brother's name. And so Judah, following the prescription of the Leverite law, amen, had his next son, Onan. And he gives Onan unto Tamar. And the Bible says that Onan, amen, seemingly went into Tamar, but he withdrew. And the Bible says the seed was spilled on the ground. And as a result of his actions and what he did, or perhaps rather did not do, the Bible says that God took his life. Now let me tell you, if you're boy number three, <laughs> Sheila that was his name I'm sorry <laughs> you have a long distant brother somewhere that you got to understand Judah is thinking in his mind we got some problem going on here <laughs> I don't know nothing about this I've just heard this phrase before okay but I know there's some song talking about there she's a man eater Judah's saying, we, 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 got, we got a little bit of problem going on here. My first boy, he's dead. My second boy, he's dead. I know the law says that we need to give then my next son to her so that he can 
bear seed unto the firstborn's name. He said, but I'm a little leery of this. And so what, what Judah told Tamar, Judah said, Tamar, he says, Sheila is really young. Sheila, he, he's really immature. And he's not very old yet. She, he said, why don't you go back to your father's house and you wait until he gets mature. You wait till he gets older. Well, that was kind of the reason he put out there. But the real reason was this. I don't know if I can lose another boy. I mean, we've already had two go, and I don't know about losing another. It, it might be too high of a cost to lose this other boy. But see, what is happening here is this. We are missing a declaration of a generation. Huh? We're missing the declaration of a generation from air. And the Bible says that Tamar goes back to her father's house and eventually that Judah, his wife, dies. And the Bible says he hooks himself with a friend of his and they are going to the sheep shears and word gets back to Tamar. Many years have passed now. Word gets back to Tamar that Judah and a friend of his is going down to the sheep shears and that's going to be by a prescribed way. And the Bible says that Tamar took off the garments of her widowhood and she put on herself the garments of a harlot and she sat by the way where Judah her father-in-law was going to pass and as he passes by he sees this woman doesn't know it's his daughter-in-law doesn't know it is Tamar and he desires to go into this woman this harlot and he does someone say amen and he does and the Bible says she becomes pregnant huh she becomes pregnant and she has two children from that pregnancy zara and Perez. everybody with me i know this takes a little time because the pagans even had this law that if all the brothers in succession for the leverite marriage if they all died they had this prescription then that it was the daddy's responsibility to go I know this sounds weird for our modern day but to go into his daughter-in-law and bear a name so that there would be no gap in the generation someone say amen and so what it comes down to is this heir could not give Tamar a child because he had done wickedly Air couldn't do it because just simply that he could not do it. Onan didn't get it accomplished because he refused to do it. Sheila could not get the job done because according to his dad he was too immature but the reality is they thought that the sacrifice was a little bit too much but at the end of the day Judah at the end of the day, Judah unknowingly, someone watch me right here, Judah unknowingly and unwittingly did what couldn't be done, what was refused to be done, what some thought was just too immature for it to happen, and the price was too high. No. 
What are you saying? I'm saying whenever Judah did what he did, he had no idea that was Tamar. Whenever Judah did what he did, he had no idea that that was his daughter-in-law. He had no idea that was the woman from which the offspring needed to come, amen, to link the generations together. And I know it was wrong. He even admits she was more righteous than me. That was wrong. But I want to show you what God did with this little faux pas in the life of Judah. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn the pages of time to the New Testament of Matthew number one where there's 14 generations from Abraham. Amen. Forward. And I'm going to write in my book that there was a man by the name of Judas which is the Old Testament Judah who begat Perez and Zara of Thamar and Perez begat Isram. And I'm going to trace now my lineage from that point forward all the way to the man Christ Jesus. What are you saying? God said I'm going to take what seemed like a mistake what seemed like idle praise didn't know really what he was doing are you hearing me in other words he wasn't trying to propel on the line he didn't know that was her he did it unwittingly unknowingly yet God says I'm going to show you what I'm going to do I'm going to show you that I'm going to pull him into my own lineage because of my grace so that people will always know there's no such thing as idle praise every time praise joins with something there's an offspring every time praise joins with something else there's something birthed and there's something born there's no no such thing is someone hearing me right now? He says, I'm going to pull that into my line and I'm going to let them know what declared my generation, what declared my generation was somebody that even didn't know half of what they were doing, but they allowed praise into the picture. And when they did, it gave birth, amen, to the Son of Man, amen, because there is no idol prayer. No, no, no. Somebody's got to understand tonight. Your hand clap is just not a nonchalant hand clap. There is no such thing as idle praise. Your hand that you raised in service, that's not just a little huh. Amen. There is no such thing as idle praise. What are you talking about, Brother Mavie? Because let me tell you this. Do we agree tonight, based upon the Word of God, that praise, by definition, praise is whenever you give God glory and honor for something He has done. Right? It differs from worship. Worship is for who He is. Praises for what he's done. Huh? Then we can agree on this. And this just hit me tonight as I was standing up there. There has never been another God really praised. They may have been worshipped. But there's never been another God ever praised. Because there's never been a God that's ever done anything. Someone hear me right now. So there's no such thing as idol praise. No, no, no. Someone needs to understand. While you're sitting right where you're at tonight and you're giving that little hand clap, honey, whenever that joins with something, it gives birth to something. It gives offspring to something. It's a declarer of his generation. It's filling in the gap. It's doing it from one generation to the next generation. Whenever you open your mouth and you give glory unto the Lord, there is no idol.
God has called us for such a time for us to stand in the gap for the things that can't get it accomplished and for the things that refuse to get it accomplished and for the things that say, you know what? It's too immature. It's too high cost. No, no, no. The praisers, even unknowingly, can lift a hand, speak a word, and they bridge a gap. Amen. For the eternal God of glory, they declare from one generation to the next. I'm here to tell you tonight in this place, we need a house of praisers that will declare it. We need somebody to lift up their voice and lift up their spirit and say, I will praise the Lord and I will bless him at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth because there is no idol praise. Yes. Someone say hallelujah. The fact of the matter, nothing else is going to get it accomplished except Judah. <laughs> nothing else is going to get it accomplished except Judah. Air can't do it. He just can't. There's just some things in life that just can't get it done. There's some things in life that just can't bridge that gap. There's some things in life that just can't declare it. Amen. For future generations, just some things just can't. There's things that are own personalized. I don't care how much we parade it before the presence of God. It will never get it done. It can't get it done. It's not made to get it done. But there is one thing that can stand and come in the atmosphere. Somebody just lifting up a little verbiage unto the Lord. It can do what the other one can't do. It can accomplish what the other one can't. We got enough that's refusing. The Faraz and the Zara did not come into the world because of the refusers. Huh? The Faraz and the Zara is not recorded in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ because they were the refusers. The one that joined themselves to Tamar was the refuser. I want to be a part of this plan but I can't be a part of this plan by refusing the unction of the Holy One of God I can't be a part of this plan by being a naysayer and a refuser and one that says no that's good for you but it's not good for me no 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 I don't want to be that, that sort I want to be a Judah that even though sometimes and we do this folks we do this sometimes our praise is unknowingly sometimes our praise is unwittingly we don't really mean to be praising but we're just doing it because we're going through the calisthenics if you wear a praise. God says, but I want you to know that there's no such thing as an idle praise. There's no such thing as, well, I really had an off praise night. What I'm telling you is this. That those boys that were born of Tamar, amen, were not any less born of her than he went unto her knowing who she was. 
anybody understanding what I'm talking about right now? In other words, he could have known blatantly what he was getting himself into and what he was doing. But that would have made them no less, amen, part of the children than as he did go and do it unwittingly. Because God says, I'm going to pull by my grace that into my line. Because i got to get in the minds of people that what they do is important. What they do is valuable. Whenever they put praise to the mix, it is important. It is valuable. It is something that is worthy of declaration. It is something of value, not just for their generation, but for the generation to come. Honey, don't you be a refuser in this hour. We got too many babies on the opposite side of the span. That needs to hear. That needs to hear. Someone say yes. That needs to... David said, if it's going to happen, it's going to be because they praised the works. They praised the works. Judah did this unknowingly, folks. Unwitting. And I think it goes to show it even so much that he would say, you know, my good old boy Sheila over here, he's really too young. What's the Bible say? Out of the mouths. What? Babes and sucklings he has. You know what that tells me? Im, physically immature lips can give perfected mature praise. That's the reason why when our kids are the age of Lucas... And they're up here and they think, man, they're kind of a little rowdy. You know what? We don't really get down real hard on them. You know why? You know why? Because there's no such thing as idle praying. Now, my kids, over time, they got a little rowdy every once in a while. And sometimes I'll tap on them, say, you need a whatever. But, honey, if they're over there and they're clapping their hands and they're just kind of getting a little rambunctious with it, go on. They might seem immature, but there's some mature praise coming from them. And that's not idle. God says, thou bridge the gap in the generations. That You better believe it. That's the reason why, amen, we grab them, we take them to the prayer room. You know what I'm talking about? Take those little kids, you know, you can't leave them out here. They'd destroy the whole church, you know, while you was praying. But you take them into the prayer room, and you're sitting down with them. Amen, they hear you praying. They start mumbling a few little words, and they start mimicking what you say and, and what you do, and they pace the floor, or they rock the floor, because that's what you're doing. What are you doing? I tell you what you're doing. You're declaring by praise. You're declaring by praise from one generation to the next. No such thing as idle praise. Judah, when you did what you did and you committed to this union, you unwittingly preserved your place in the ancestral line of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that was good enough for the Old Testament back in Genesis... David says, it's good enough in my day in Psalms. So much so that when they put him in the ground for his three-day closure. And people are wondering, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because the Bible says even after he rose from the dead and the news came to his disciples and the women carried it to him, none of them believed it. 
What are we going to do? <laughs> it don't seem like he's moving. Don't seem like he's showing up in our mess. <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, I seem to remember the psalmist say, one generation declares and praises it to another. What are we going to do? Are we going to stand up here in this old musty upper room and just have down heads and down hands? No. Somebody's got to lift their voice because though it may seem like he's doing nothing, if we just let something out our mouth, there's no idle praise. There's no... Somebody hear me. You say, well, that's great. No, I'm talking about right now because there's some times right now in your life that it feels like he's three days in the grave and nothing's shaking, nothing's moving. You've not heard from heaven and nothing's going on. I tell you what you need to do. You need to declare it through your praise and join that praise with something so that there'll be a birthing, an offspring. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone say yes. Someone say yes. Honey, people started praising that's been down and depressed and they've left with smiles on their faces. People's come into the house of God with no jobs and they begin to praise and they go home a little lifted up in their spirit. I've seen people come in, amen, with a boot on their leg and start praising God in Texas camp and before all said and done, that thing was off there and they were shaking that thing around. i tell you why. Because there's no idol praise. There's no idol praise. Someone say amen. If you'll stand, I'll, I'll hasten to a close here. Something happened. Something happened to Judah after this whole scenario in Genesis 38. Something happened to him when he unknowingly went to Mar and two children was born from that. Something happened to him. Because where he was estranged from his family, where he had went down into Canaan and had left the brethren, we see that he shows back up in the story of Joseph. He's not in Canaan anymore. He's in Israel again. And whenever they are going back for their second time to get provision for the family that's in Israel, it's Judah. It's Judah. That says, Dad, this ruler, the second ruler of, of Egypt said, Don't show your face unless you have the youngest boy with you. And I know you're saying that we've ran out now and we need to go back, but I'm telling you, Dad, we can't go back unless Benjamin is with us.
Dad's worried about this. Again, worried about this. By his estimation, Joseph is not. By his estimation, there's one that had been kept from the last trip. Simeon, I believe it was. Had to be kept at the last trip. He's starting to count, you know, those 12 backwards. I don't know. Benjamin is, is the only son I've got left of Rachel, the woman that I loved. I don't know if I can do this. But Judah, being able to identify with dad about the loss of some sons. Says, Dad, I'll be surety for Benjamin. And he, he takes that boy and they all make their trip back to Egypt to get provision. Their brother Joseph that they don't know is Joseph have already spoken to them and how they've been spies. They're a little bit anxious and they're a little bit worried about what might happen and he sends them away with again the money in their sack's mouth. And, but he also put his silver cup in Benjamin's bag. And he has a group of servants to overrun them and catch up with them and to check the sacks. And that whoever, whoever's bag, the cup is found, then they're going to go back and there's going to be some bad things happening. They all returned whenever that, that cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And honey, they are not too well pleased about what might be shaken down. The, Maybe the loss of life or the holding of him forever. And while all this is going on, all this is going on, Judah pleads and raises his voice. He said, no, 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 no. He said, this, 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 this cannot happen. You know what? You know what Judah is saying at that moment? He says, I got to preserve the generation from my mama, from mama Rachel. Because see, according to his estimation at this moment in time, Joseph's dead. He's dead. If we take Benjamin, we got a gap in the lineage. We take Benjamin, we got a gap in the lineage. Now, not unwittingly. Now, not without knowledge. But with all the knowledge in the world, Judah steps in and says, I can't let this happen. I can't let this happen. And he says, and he pleads for him. And as the story goes, Joseph finally reveals himself. Everybody is able to go home and then come back to Egypt. And there's great rejoicing. But what I want you to understand is this. Judah finally came to terms with that there's no idle praise. Whether when you know it or when you don't, there is no idle praise. Because it will preserve generations. The church was founded in many estimations on praise. This church, this church, in many respects, if you were to ask anybody about First Apostolic Church or what was known as Kingsburg Pentecostal Church in the day, the one thing that they would tell you, two things in particular, praise and prayer. That was the mantra of this church that's what they were known by there become people who come to visit just be a part of our praise services I'm telling you the truth they would just come have a you know if they had if we had bags of popcorn they'd have got it and ate it while we did our thing someone hearing me 
And so three buildings later, Three buildings later, there's still no idol, such thing as idol praise. What we do, how we participate, it does. Someone say it matters. It matters. It matters. Uh, thank you, Jesus. We have some second generational third generational kids here brother James Malone that doesn't happen by being stoic it doesn't come by being the refuser God, oh God, oh God. Well, uh, let, me, let me bring comfort to somebody in this place tonight. Brother McGee, I just really don't know how we should, you know, exactly just clap. Honey, do it any old way you want to. We don't, we don't have rules and regulations that it's all five fingers together and closed right in front of your face. Over, It's over to the right. Or you like to hit your left hand on your right or your right hand on your left. No, 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 no. You do. Brother, Brother McGee, I really don't know though how, you, how you're supposed to raise it. I mean, is it just one up on the air and is it over to the side? Do you do a go post? I mean, really, what, what, how's that? Honey, I don't care. There's no idol praise. Well, well, I don't know if I should say hallelujah or glory or amen. Honey, why don't you do all three, one right after another? I don't care. There's no such thing. As... We got we got generations to preserve and if David said it would be by praise if through Judah it was done by praise and Isaiah said who's going to declare it it's yes. still done by praise it's still yes brother you know brother McGee sometimes I feel stuff come on me I like when people start sentences like that and I feel it down in my feet. I don't know if I should run or not. Run. Honey, if you put a hole in our paneling, we'll take care of it. Well, I don't know if you should just do a few steps forward and a few steps. Do it. Well, I don't know if I should just go, you know, do it. Well, I don't know if I should just do a little bit of that. Do it. Well, I don't know if I, do it. What are you waiting on? You can't find a way to do praise right because there isn't a way to do it wrong. Yes. Hallelujah. There's no idol, no idol, no idol praise. Somebody needs to declare his generation through praise tonight. Through praise. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Declare it. Oh, just keep praising him. And the devil shall.
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.